Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Hey, well, good morning, good morning. Great to see you guys are here. You shoveled out or drove out or whatever you did, but good job on making it here this morning. Real quick, I want to mention, in two weeks, we kick off our small groups. Um, So over the next couple of weeks, uh, more hosts will be adding different small groups to the website, but um, let me just encourage you, if you've been thinking about hosting a small group yourself, it's incredibly easy. Um, We can help you with that as well. But I really encourage you to get in a small group. So they'll be starting, again, they'll be launching in two weeks. And we do, we do seasons to our groups, so they're going to be somewhere, the typical group is somewhere between 8 and 12 weeks long, and then it stops. So you might get in a group and you, you kind of, after a few weeks, and you, you might say, this isn't for me. That's okay. Or you might get in a group and connect with some people. And just, but here's what we really want you to do, is to make room for God to move. And it's getting around some people that are also hungry for the things of God, maybe some families, maybe some couples, maybe some guys, maybe some girls, maybe a group. We don't know what it might be. But get in a group and just make some room for God. You get together, you pray, pray for each other. Maybe you play some games. Uh, maybe you do a Bible study together. I don't know what it might be. There's lots of different styles of groups and different things that you could do. But if you're interested in hosting, then this is the time for you. And right after service, you can connect with Joel over there by the small group info banner. Because we've got banners around here. But just head right over there and we'll do that. But this week, I'm real excited. Now, next week... We're going to start a marriage and relationship series. We typically do this around February and Valentine's Day, just a good reminder to be doing that. And then, but this week, I want to talk about something a little bit different. And I could have just been like, oh, it kind of fits, and it it kind of fits with marriage, but at the same time, I do not want you to think, oh, well, this is for married people, or this is for people who are in relationships, or this is for, for families, because it's really not. It's really not. What I want to talk to you about today is Jesus and kids. Jesus and kids. And, and the title is, is really is not lost. That's going to be the title of this. But number one, this is for you. If you're like, shoot, I came the wrong week. No, you did not. You came the right week. Jesus and kids. So whether you have kids, don't have kids, want kids, like kids, don't like kids, whether you can't stand kids, love kids, have grandkids, have never had kids, their kids are all gone, whatever it is, this is for you. And what we're going to do is really just kind of look at Jesus and kids in the Bible. What was his attitude towards them? What did he have to say about them? And what is it that we should or could learn from it? And we're going to start in Matthew, Matthew 15, 21, if you have your Bibles. And here's where we start. And it says this. Then Jesus went out from there, and he departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. So this woman comes to Jesus and is like, I'm not here for me. My daughter needs help. Verse 23, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us too. And you can read that, and you can be like, wow, I don't think Jesus cared at all about kids. 
But as with anything, if you just take one snippet of anything, without the context, without the rest of it, you can get in some, you can get in some pretty big trouble. So we want to keep on reading. And he didn't answer her a word. But there's a reason why he did not answer her. There's a reason why. And here's what he says in the next verse. He says, but he answered and said this, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. See, Abraham made a covenant with God. And Abraham's descendants were a part of that covenant. Abraham's descendants were the Jews. And Jesus came. There was a covenant that God had made with who? The Jews. If you were not a Jew, you were not a part of it. You were on the outside. And so Jesus comes and he says this, I was not sent but to the lost sheep, the lost people, not specifically animals. He says, but to the lost people, those who are lost like sheep of Israel. And this woman, we just read that she came from Canaan. She was not a Jew. So he's like, I'm not here for her. She had no standing, no place to come in. See, Ephesians, this all changed because of what Jesus was going to do, but Jesus was on the earth and he hadn't done it yet. He hadn't died yet. He had not died. So her coming, he's like, no, this is not part of why I'm here. It was not because she's a woman. It was not because she's there asking for prayer for her daughter. That wasn't it. Paul talks in Ephesians, and he says something in here. In verse chapter, chapter 3, verse 2, he says this. Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery. Okay, what's a mystery? It's something you don't understand, right? You maybe see a part of it. There's something. A mystery is something you don't understand. He's like, look, there was a mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In regard to this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the, there's that word again, the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations as it has been revealed by the Spirit to God's apostles and prophets. Verse 6, he says it again. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, and as you're reading the word, as you're reading through the Bible and you come across that word Gentile, what it's really referring to you to is anybody who wasn't a part of that Abrahamic covenant who wasn't a Jew. So you and me we would be considered a Gentile unless you are of Jewish descent. He's like, look, the mystery was, and he's, he's explaining this mystery. He says, the mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, non-Jews, are heirs together with Israel, with those Jews, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Jesus Christ. He's like, Jesus came, what he did, he died once and for all who would accept. The exclusivity of the Jewish people, Israel, and that Abrahamic covenant was now extended to you and to me. So this woman came, and Jesus hadn't died yet. So this wasn't done, and he's like, look, you have no standing to ask me to do this because you are outside of this covenant. Now, you and I, we just read that we are now part of it, but she wasn't. She was not a part of it. 
verse 13, Matthew 19. We're going to jump right back up to Matthew 19, verse 13. Did I skip too far? I think I did. Yeah, we got to go to verse 25. That's where we need to go. Verse 25. Then she came and she worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. Verse 26. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Anybody think she could have got offended right there? <laughs> He's like, I'm sorry, but what you're asking for, it's not okay. It's not, I'm not going to give this to the little dogs. Like, she could have gotten offended. But if she'd gotten offended, what do you think would have happened? She'd have walked away. And that would have been the end of that. But she doesn't get offended. Verse 27, and she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered to her and said, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. She did not have standing to ask. She was outside of the covenant. Yet, when she worshiped and said, God, it's, just, it's so simple for you. It's the crumbs. that This healing is the crumbs that fall to the ground. And he's like, great is your faith. And he gave it to her. And from that very moment, his daughter, excuse me, her daughter was healed. This is the first encounter that we're going to read about of Jesus as he encounters children, and we're going to pick some stuff up that you and I are meant to pick up, because here's the deal. Many years ago, many years ago, I was, actually months ago, excuse me, I was driving up north, and as you, as you head up north, I think it's about the Cedar Rapids exit, that as you're going north on 131, the speed limit goes from that piddly 70 to, praise God, 75. Come on, that five mile an hour makes me so happy, so happy. But I'm, I'm headed up there and I'm going up there and I come underneath this the, the overpass on 131 going north and I can almost see the 75 mile an hour speed limit sign. But as I'm, I'm driving under this bridge, I look off and off to the side under the bridge, there's a, a, a police car pulled, pulled over and the policeman is outside of his car and he's, he's radaring people. And I'm like, sneaky, sneaky, right? Like, I'm like, yeah, you're getting people right before the speed limit changes. But then I'm like, wait a second, why is he outside of his car? Because I've never gotten a ticket from somebody. Like, they're always in their car. I'm like, if there's a difference inside and out, is it better? Would there be a way that I could have fought and gotten off of? Not that I wasn't speeding when I did get caught speeding, but anyways. But those are the thoughts that go through my mind, right? So I look over at this cop, and I'm like, okay, okay. But then I go a little bit farther, and I look, and the on-ramp, there's like seven or eight, maybe ten squad cars lined up waiting to get people. And I'm like, you guys. Like, you can see the 75-mile-an-hour sign. It's right there. And then sure enough, I drive a few miles farther, and there's one, two, there's like three more people pulled over with the cop cars already. And I'm like, they're getting their tickets. And, you know, I was okay because that time I wasn't going too fast. And I was like, come on. That's, that's good to not, to not be speeding. But they were sitting there right where, if you happen to speed up a little too soon, they're like, we're going to get you. Which, you're right, if you're speeding, you're speeding, and they can get you. But I think often we think of God that way. That God's like, mm, I'm going to try to get you. I'm going to get you right where you might have sped up a little bit too soon, and I'm going to get you. No, no, I'm right because I'm right, and I'm God, which makes me right, and I'm right, so I'm, but I'm going to get you. But really... What God does is actually the complete opposite. He's like, look, I want you to know what's coming and how you can change your future, 
the future of those around you. He's like, I'm going to help you to know. And so that's why I want to do this. Why are we reading about Jesus and children? Because we have an example of what Jesus said. He's like, look, here's the attitudes that we need to have towards kids. He's like, look, I want you to learn something because one day you're going to stand before me and this is going to change what happens when you do. So the first thing I want to look at is Matthew 19, verse 13. And it says this, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded them and said, go away. Go away. Now, I don't know what was up with the disciples. I don't know if maybe these were just like, a couple of these disciples were just like, I don't like kids. You know, they stink. They smell. They've got boogers. And they never wear their shoes. Like, I don't like kids. I don't, I don't know what this is. I mean, that's my kid. Like, I watched, I watched Bo. He walked into church this morning. He's seven years old. He walked into church, and he just took off his shoes and socks all at once. I'm like, how did you do this so fast? And he just took off running. I'm like, what are you doing? He's in the gym, and he's just gone. And that's just what he, kids, that they don't like to wear their shoes. They don't like to wear their socks. And I got one of them that's biting his clothes, and they just get soaking wet. I'm like, how in the world? Where does all that liquid come from? You would think he just dumped water on his sleeves. and on, I, I don't know. And I don't know if the disciples saw that and were like, are you kidding me? Like, that's these kids, and, and this is Jesus. And everywhere that Jesus goes, there's crowds, and, and people are trying to get around him. He doesn't have time. He doesn't have time for kids. I don't know what, what they were thinking. I have no idea. But Jesus says this in verse 14. He says, let the children come to me. And he says, do not stop them. And what does it have right after that? Do not stop them. It has an exclamation point. This wasn't just like, hey, don't, don't stop them, guys. This is Jesus like, no, you let those kids come to me and do not stop them. That's how I imagine it. He's got that dad look. Where he's like, don't stop them. And just a look, you're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, got it. Like, I, I got it. You know, they don't need to go any farther. But he had that look. He's like, do not stop them. And the parents brought their kids. And I want you to think about this real quick. Jesus was a single man. And he's taking time to minister to other kids, other people's kids. He didn't have any kids. Jesus took time to minister to kids. Now, most of the time, what we do is we invest where we're going to get a return. When you invest in kids, you don't really just, it, it's not the same. You don't really get a return the same way. Like, it's just, it's just different. Kids are amazing at taking. Like they just, they're just taking machines. They're like, like it's, just, it's just what they do. And sometimes they say thank you. And sometimes the thank you that they said was because mom reminded them, hey, say thank you. Her dad's like, hey, you got to say thank you. They're like, thanks. Thanks so much. You're like, do you want another one? Like, yes, a hundred. Thank you. Like, they just, they just take. It's, it, it is what they do. They never have a, that's too much. They just, they, just, they just take it. Adults, it's a little bit different. But you and I, we're, we're used to an exchange. Have you ever been out to eat with somebody, and you go out and you go to pay, and they're like, oh, no, you, you paid last time. It's my turn. Or let me, because you did. Because we're, we're used to this exchange thing. Well, kids don't do that. So, so often, people, we, we have a tendency to kind of write them off a little bit. But Jesus is like, no, no, no. You make time for kids. 
Jesus, as a single man, made time to minister to others' kids. Now, our society would look at that and be like, he's creepy. Right? They'd be like, why is this single guy like, whoa, wait a minute. And he laid hands on him and like prayed for him. They're like, there's a problem. He touched that kid. Because our society doesn't want children being ministered to by men. But we know, and you can find very clear evidence of the impact of just, not even just a father, but what a, the impact of a male figure has in a, a boy or girl kid's life. Huge impact. Huge. Jesus was a single man, and he took time to minister to kids. He's like, I'm going to minister to them. I'm going to make time to minister to children. Matthew 18, Jesus again is talking about kids and he says this, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. Do not despise little ones, for I say to you that their heavenly angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. He's like, don't despise kids. As I was reading and doing some studying on this, I just, I just found this really interesting was that this verse, can we put this, this is a picture of my Bible. And I, I'm sure most of you know that chapter and verse was not in the original language when, when the Bible was written. That was added in for reference to help us to be able to find things. Well, my Bible has, has some of these like titles that were also added in, not, not in the original. So like my Bible right here says the parable of the lost sheep and then the brother who sins and you can find stuff on divorce and just kind of as you're reading through it, it helps you to find things. But something I thought was really funny was the fact that the verse here, um, 18.10, says, See that you do, not over, you do not look down on one of these little ones. Don't overlook them. And yet, that verse is thrown in with the parable of the lost sheep. We overlooked the verse about kids. Let's just say it's about sheep. And I'm like, hmm. And as a pastor, I find that hilarious. And maybe only pastors find that funny. So maybe you guys don't. But I was like, what in the world? How can you label the Bible and then forget the verse that says, don't forget kids, and you forget it? I was like, come on. Come on. And, and that's funny to me, so let's just keep right on going, please. That's, that's as good as the jokes are going to get, though. I'm sorry, because like, I find it funny. But he's like, look at this. He says, do not despise little kids. He's like, don't despise. Here's what it's easy to do. It's easy to look at their problems and say, they're not real problems compared to my problems. You're like, it's a balloon. It just floated away. You'll be fine. Right? Like, it's, it's just a balloon. It's just a balloon. I, and, but here's the thing. Like, you can, have you ever taken a kid to ice cream? And you're like, they're like, best day ever! Like, they get so excited over ice cream. And I love that. But the thing is, you have to remember is, as easy as they get excited, you can also, like, they crash just as hard. Like, that ice cream, like, has the wrong number of dots in it. And they're like, no! And they just melt down. And you're like, it's okay. And they're like, no, it's not! They throw it on the ground. You're like, what are you doing? Do you ever look at kids and then they just kind of think, just, just for a moment, if God ever looks at us the same way? Where we're like, I can't find my phone. 
phone. He's like, it's a silly phone. You're like, no, I need it. And he's like, oh, it's okay. You're like, it dropped. It's at the bottom of the pool. Has it gone? And he's like, it's okay. It's a silly phone. And we're like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, we just melt down over some of the same thing. God's like, huh, you're not any different. <laughs> you're really not. It's, it can be easy to downplay their problems and the things that impact their world. God's like, don't despise them. Don't look down on them because they're smaller, because they're younger. Our society does not value children. It says they're a hassle. It says they're messy. It says that they're just an inconvenience and that that's where it ends. And they're right. I mean, they really are all of those things. But there's so much more as well. And God's like, look, do not despise kids. And again, this is not for parents. This is for everybody. This isn't for those who have kids or in that season. God's like, no, 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 you do not despise kids. It doesn't say in here, don't despise kids when you're in that season when you have them. And this is, yeah, yeah, but then it's going to come out and don't worry, you're going to get to the other side of that season and then just ignore them. Or assume the attitude like, hey, I'm done, my time. I did my time. That's not what it says. He's like, don't despise kids. They're important to God. And then he goes on and he says this in that verse. He says, and their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. You know, this is one of the places where we come up and where we see the idea of a guardian angel. One is it says their angel, like it's, like it's assigned to them. In Psalms 91, it says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. This is where we get the idea of guardian angels. So one is it says, number one is it says, they're angels. So yes, I do believe that we have guardian angels. I believe at the moment of inception, there's an angel assigned to each baby. And God says this about it. He says, not only do they have an angel, he's like, but just so you know, they see the big man. They see the face of the father. And we, we find in Job, the fact that angels came and almost like they were literally giving a report to God in heaven. Now, I don't know exactly how that works because God's also everywhere. He's omnipresent and he's omniscient. He knows everything. But I think it's just a little reminder for us that he's like, look, they're angels. They go right up there. They have the face of the Father. They're like, hey, look what they're doing or not. Like, look what's going on over here. He's like, uh, you're not going to get away with anything. He's like, look at this. He's like, don't despise them. Remember this. Because children are a blessing. The world wants to paint them a picture of, oh, it's just, they're a pain. Children are a blessing. Psalms 127, verse 3. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. I thought my quiver was full a couple times, and it just kept getting more. <laughs> Come on. Man, honestly, I think, I think kids saved my dad. Uh, here, here's what I mean. Um, we, we all started to move out, and my dad got old really fast when my sister moved out. What I mean by old really fast is he just started to turn into a little bit of like an old man, grumpy, like don't touch the wall, like don't park your car in the garage type thing. And I'm just like, dad, like what is wrong with you? And then my brother started having kids. 
He's three years older than me, got married before me, and he started having, having kids. And the great grandkids came around. And grandkids, they're just mess machines. <laughs> like, they are messy machines. And the grandma doesn't hide stuff very well, and the kids would get out. And so the kids would get into chocolate, and then they go up into the room, and they got into like a five-pound bag of chocolate and like ate it all, and half of it was like smeared everywhere. And my mom's taking pictures of it. And my dad's like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? But it changed him. It softened him up so much. I'm like, you needed that. Man, did you need it. But the Bible says that children are a blessing, I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it. When they're at that stage where they just take every single thing from you and they won't let you sleep and every time you fall asleep they know when they're just like, oh my goodness, and they need this and they need that. And you're like, really, they're a blessing? And the answer is yes. One, you can do it, you will get through it. And then the second thing I want you to remember if you're in that stage is this. It will go away. That stage will be gone and you'll be like, remember when? And nev please never forget, there are people who would give anything, anything to have those problems. But they can't. They would do anything to have some of those same problems. Guys, like, don't despise kids. Kids, children are a blessing. The attitude that we see that Jesus have towards kids isn't something that we're supposed to just look at and be like, good for him. Great, go do it. You and I, what Jesus did, he did as an example for you and I. John 14, 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. He's like, if I'm doing it, you're going to do it. The works, the attitude that I have, he's like, you're supposed to have. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, as I follow Christ, follow me. Follow my example, just as I follow Christ. That's what we're meant to be doing. This is an example, not just a, oh, that's a great thing, let's cheer it on, golf clap. You know what I mean? That's not what it is. This is what you and I are meant to do. And in Matthew 10, he even says this about it. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple Assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. He's like, you help kids, and they, like I said, sometimes they say thank you, sometimes they don't. And it can be the most selfless thing in the world. Here's what Jesus said. He goes, you help them with even a cup of cold water. He says, surely. He says, I see. I know. Somebody else might not notice what you do in the middle of the night, what you what, how much and the pain and what it took for you to adopt and what you did so that you could set up and become a foster family. Somebody else might not know. Nobody else might see all of this. You're like, but if it's as simple as water, if it's as simple as that little kid standing by the drinking fountain who can't get the water to turn on and you reach over, you pick them up and you help them knowing that somehow they're going to get you wet because it's just what they do. Yeah. He's like, but if that's all that you do is help them get that little bit of water, He's like, you will by no means lose your reward. Jesus elevates kids. He elevates those who minister and choose to minister to kids. He doesn't leave it and like, oh, that's for this group over there. He was a single man. 
the one that our society is like, you shouldn't even work with kids. Jesus took time. He made time. He made time for kids. And it's like, no, I'm going to minister to children. I'm going to help them. We make time. Matthew 18, verse 5. And he says, and anyone who welcomes a little child like this in my, on my behalf is welcoming me. You want to know what happened this morning when the kids came into class? There's a whole bunch of workers back there right now. You want to know what they did? When they opened up the door, it wasn't just a bunch of snotty-nosed, dirty diaper, run-around play, screaming kids. It was probably all of that. But they were welcoming Jesus when they opened up those doors. When they cleaned up the games and, and cleaned off the toys to make sure that they would be ready for the next service that was coming in, they were preparing a place for Jesus. Ministry happens in here, you're 100% right. But you want to know where else it happens? It happens in every single one of those classrooms. What you and I do for children, God says, look, you need to value them. See their problems as real problems. Not just overlook it. He's like, it is important. And then he goes on and he says this, but if you cause, this is verse 6, but if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, he says, it would be better for you if you have a large millstone tied around your neck and you'd be thrown down in the depths of the sea. <laughs> like, rut row, that's not good. Verse 7, what sorrow awaits the world because it attempts, it tempts people to sin. Temptations are inevitable, but woe, and what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? You ever heard the saying, like, there's a special spot in hell for people like that? Anybody ever heard that before? That's actually doctrinally sound. <laughs> like, it, it really is. And he's like, look, it would be better for you to tie a millstone around their neck to under the depths of the sea than to be the one teaching children that sin is okay. Teaching children that ungodly, destructive lifestyles are normal or okay. He's like, you don't do it. God's like, I see what happens to them and I see those who are trying to harm or, or pervert them. He's like, it will not be good for those who do that. He says, the simple cup of water, he says, I will recognize, I, you will not lose your reward for it. And the other side of it is, is he values them so much. He's like, it will not go well with you if you are the one leading them astray. There's a warning. There's a warning. It's one of the reasons why I say, if you have an opportunity, if God lays on your heart, to get involved in the education system, whether you have kids or not, and to stand up about what's being taught in some schools, in some place. I know it's not everywhere. If you have the opportunity, if God lays it on your heart, and you're like, man, our library, I need to get involved with what's in there or what's not, and you're like, you know, I can get involved with some rating systems, and we can do, if God lays it on your heart to do that, I'm like, please do it. Absolutely. We need to be active in any way that we can in protecting 
and caring for and ministering to children. It is not something that is left up to parents, grandparents, or those in that other circle. Because it's so easy to draw a circle that doesn't include us. But God's like, when it comes to kids, he's like, look, this whole circle, he's like, it's all of you. It's all of us. It's every single one of us. When it says that if you give even a cup of water in my name or as my disciple, what that, what that breaks down to is this. When you do this as a result of my character being on the inside of you, of you expressing my love through your hands, he's like, there will be reward. That's for you and that's for me. Now, don't get me wrong. We can, we can meet needs in the natural and there's spiritual needs. There's both. And if all we do is meet the natural and we don't need, meet the spiritual, we've done them a disservice because the most important is spiritual. But the truth is, so often nobody wants to hear the spiritual because we ignore the natural. John Maxwell says it so well when he says this. He says, people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. And so we, we meet natural needs to open doors so that we can speak to spiritual needs. That's one of the reasons why when it comes to, we said the ski trip. We said, hey, there's a high school ski trip. If you're paying attention during the announcements, I know every one of you heard that, obviously, and it all, it all stuck. <laughs> but what we said was this. is said, hey, if money is something that would stop you from sending one of your kids on that, Life West will cover it. Why do we do that? Is it because we think that every kid should go out and ski? No. No. But what we know is that relationships make an incredible difference. And we've got some awesome, awesome leaders going on that trip who have a heart to invest into teenagers. And you can build a relationship and get an opportunity to get to know somebody a little bit on a trip. And what happens? Suddenly that student realizes there's somebody who cares about me and they'll listen to the advice. And that person can speak godly advice into people's lives and situations. That's why we value it so much. It's not just go up and go ski and have fun. It is. But it's not a secret. There's high schoolers in here, please. But I hope that you go, you, you realize there's some people who care about you, who love God. And maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe it's a few days from now. That you're like, man, I need some help. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. My parents are saying this and this. And, and you ask that, you reach out to that small group leader and, and they're like, um, actually, your parents are right. <laughs> you're like, really? They're like, yeah, and here, here's why. They can come along. Here's what we see over and over, over and over. Jesus says this. He says, kids are important. As a church, we take this incredibly seriously. As a church, we have, we have three trailers that we pull every week in and out of here. One of those trailers is full of chairs. That's these things. They take up tons of room and they're super heavy, right? So we have one massive trailer. It's this one. It holds the chairs and that's pretty much it in one TV. Then we've got another trailer and that one holds the stage and the sound, the sound that's not up here, which I so love it being up here. And then some of the stuff out here. We've got another trailer that holds just the stuff in the hallways and the rugs and the coffee and the food and just some of that stuff, right? And then the third trailer is all kids' supplies. It's all kids. It's kids' games. It's blow-up games. It's things for them to have fun. Why? Because it matters. We want them to enjoy and to think of church and the fun that they have there. And not only that, but here's what it has to say. An incredible amount of time, 
is put into not just the kids coming in and then being sent home, but that they are ministered to. And here's the reason why we've put so much time into it. Matthew 13, 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, but, it, but they do not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what he has sown in his heart. We want to break down biblical principles and what God's word says into things that kids can understand. Because here's what the Bible says. If they don't understand it, they hear it. And not only is it, is it just in one ear and out the other, it's more than just that. The Bible says that the, the evil one comes and tries to snatch away what was sown in their heart. So the teachers are back there figuring out ways to make it great and make it fun and, and how can we engage the students and help them to be able to remember what these kids are learning, whether it's here, whether it's in Ignite or high school, all of it. This is a picture of, of last week. Heath was back there. He's like, I know what we can do. Let's blow some, burn some stuff up. And you're like, man, are they doing that because it's fun? Yes, absolutely. And are they going to learn? Yes, absolutely. And are they going to remember? Yes, absolutely. I still remember lessons that were taught when I was in kids' ministry. I remember one of them, and you'll probably know why in just a minute, where the children's pastor got up there, and he's like, I want to talk about your hearts today. And this guy comes in to the back of the room, and he's like, you, come here. He acts like he doesn't know what's going on and so he begins to walk to the front of the classroom. And he gets up there and he's like, we're going to show him what's in your heart today. Come here. And he lays this guy down on this table. And then he takes a rubber hammer and he hits him in the head with it. And when he hits him in the head, the whole body goes, oh, oh, oh. And it starts shaking. And then he gets out, he gets out this, this huge, huge knife. And he's like, we're going to cut this guy open. And we're all like, What? And you can't see the body. He kind of wraps it in a little bit of a blanket, but you know he's still there. And he, and he sticks this knife, and it looks like he's sticking it right in this guy. And the guy's legs start kicking. And then he's got this fake blood, and fake blood comes flying out. And then he reaches in, and he pulls up. And I know what it is, because I helped him make it a jello heart. So it's jello heart mold. And then he's squeezing it, and the thing's pumping. And he's like, this is your physical heart. Then he begins to talk about our spiritual heart and the things that we... I still remember that. And you're like, no, duh. <laughs> it takes time. But somebody put effort in to a lesson that was being taught to a kid. At church, we take it seriously. But this cannot be a box that we check off as a church, but as the church, we leave unchecked. We, if, as you have opportunity... The Bible says, don't despise children. Maybe you're an aunt and you're an uncle. And you're like, I can get involved. I can do some more. I could just be an encouragement. I could just call them up. I could write a letter. Kids love getting letters. It's so weird. As an adult, you hate mail. You're like, this stuff is horrible. It pretty much just bills anyways. I hate it. Kids, they love mail. You could write a letter. You could speak a word of encouragement. You could serve here in, in Life Kids or in the Ignite. I don't know what stage of life you're in, but it really doesn't get easier. It just gets different. The demands get different. 
as you have opportunity, find it. Maybe it's getting, maybe it's becoming a coach on a team. Maybe it's coaching and you get a platform where again, you could meet just the physical needs and leave the spiritual undone. Well, that would be a disservice. But maybe you get, say, I'm going to get involved. Maybe you change the way that you're coaching, that you're not just coaching your daughter's gymnastics, but you're like, you know what? I'm going to make it a little bit different. I, I need to look at this differently. And you begin to look at it as, I'm coaching the team, and I'm using this as an opportunity to speak the, the truth of God's word into lives and situations. I have a platform that somebody else doesn't. And you see it as an opportunity. And you change it. You say, God, I want to see them as you see them. Say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Maybe it's getting involved in something politically where you can help to direct and to put a stop to some of the garbage that's being and trying to be taught to children who don't know any better. Your heavenly father, he's like, I see what it is that you do. I see the help that you give. I see the time that you invest. And he's like, I'm the one that will repay. If I get to choose between getting repaid for something I do today or in heaven, I choose heaven. And God's like, look, that's what it is when you invest in a child's life. And he's like, and I know it, but I want you to know, he says, I see it all. The circle that needs to be drawn, it isn't, it's big, and let me just say, it's for all of us. Every one of us are in it. I hope you leave encouraged knowing the impact that you can have. I hope you see God's heart for kids. They might be snotty nose, just little this, that, run around mess machines. You better believe it. But they are an incredible place to invest. I don't just say spend because that's not what you're doing. We can spend time or we can invest time. You can spend money or you can invest money. If you invest money, you expect a return. If you spend money, it's gone. You got something. The thing you got isn't worth what you paid in the minute you got it. We can invest time in children. Find a way. Pray. Say, God, what would you be calling me to do? How can I invest in the next generation? How can I draw myself inside that circle that makes a difference in the life of a young person? The time, the energy that we, that we give to children, it's not lost. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? As we're here today, before we dismiss, I just want to ask, do you know where you stand with God? The number one relationship the most important relationship for every single one of us. It's a relationship with God. When I say relationship, that's what I mean. He wants a relationship with you. But sin separated us from God. So Jesus, he came. He died. He lived a sinless, perfect life, yet suffered and died so that you and I could be free. He paid a price that we couldn't pay. And he says, I'll tell you what, all you have to do is believe in what I did, confess that I make me your Lord, and I will wash away every sin. You can be forgiven and set free on your way to heaven, free from all the guilt and shame, and begin to walk out the plan and purpose that he has for you. If that's you in here, I'd love the honor of praying with you. 
right in your seat. We can pray. When we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God and begin to walk out the relationship, the purpose and plan that he has for you. If that's you, right now, shoot your hand up. Say, that's me. Today is my day, and I'm leaving here different than I came. God, we just come before you this morning. We thank you for your word. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, we see your heart for children. For those that others may have despised, God, you made room. God, your heart, you care. Every small thing that is done, you see. God, as we leave here, that we want to be your hands and feet. And not just to those that we see, not just to those that could pay us back, God, to everyone. And we thank you for the opportunities that we have. God, open up our eyes to how we can be your hands and feet, how we can be a blessing and minister to the children that are in our lives. God, thank you for opening our eyes to opportunities that we can be a blessing to children. Things that we can do. God, we thank you for all you're doing both in us and through us as we leave this place, God. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.